Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, your client loaned $100,000 to a former business partner to use to flip properties, but the former partner used the money to pay off his own personal debts. Yeah, Dennis, the challenge here was that the defendant claimed to not have any money. Even his own lawyer claimed the defendant wasn't paying him. So how did you resolve it? Well, we put his money where his mouth was, asking, why don't you just agree to stipulate to a judgment that would save our client and his tens of thousands of dollars pursuing this matter in court. Now my client has a judgment as though he had gone to trial and won. Well, that's another real success. Folks, I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. This is the Bruckler Podcast with me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. All right, so we have a major development that has occurred in San Bernardino, California, a couple days ago. And this will be a timeless uh, episode, a podcast, and it'll discuss, her, discuss the nature of, yes, radical Islam, but very significantly, the uh, response to radical Islam and how we as Americans, and for that matter, the West, how we deal with it, but particularly the Obama administration. Okay, so let's, first of all, let's get the facts on the ground here, as it were. Uh, a couple of days ago, um, some idiots, uh, first we thought it was three, but apparently it was two people that went in to a, uh, a clinic of sorts for uh, disabled kids or um, uh, special needs kids, and they shot up uh, the whole entire place, and they killed some 14 people. And uh, as we speak today, uh, 21, 21 are wounded. Uh, and, and obviously some of them are wounded in a horrible way. Bad stuff. Um, now, let me tell you, first of all, I was one of the first ones to say that this is almost certainly a Muslim terrorist attack. And how could I say so with confidence? I'll tell you. Because I don't recall, and you can give me examples to the contrary if you like, but I don't recall a single instance where there have been multiple parties um, dressed in full armored gear, no less, that went into a place like this with the kind of weapons that they had um, that ever was not a Muslim attack. Okay? So, in other words, it, when, when you have uh, the Sandy Hook uh, killing, for example, which was obviously not a, not a, a Muslim attack, uh, radical Muslim attack. And when you have the deranged guy in the, Calif- uh, the Colorado uh, shooting in the, the movie theater, for example, uh, or for ma- that matter, the most recent uh, attack in a uh, Planned Parenthood clinic or near a Planned Parenthood clinic, these guys were alone. Um, there was no uh, apparent effort on their part to plan with anybody else or otherwise. So that was indication number one to me. Okay, so this would be a first, if it were the case, that it was some sort of, let's, hey, let's go crazy together sort of thing. That, and it turns out that I was right on that. This, this was a Muslim attack. The other reason why it gave me pause to think that this was a Muslim attack was that they, they sat on the names. They knew the names of the perpetrators for, I think, four or six hours. And something happened there where they decided not to release it. Okay. Now, I can tell you if it it were John McNichols, uh, you know, with blonde hair and white skin as snow, they would release John McNichols' name. No offense to anybody named John McNichols out there, by the way. Uh, And if that, and any, what is it that they say? Any coincidence of the names is purely unintentional. But, But they didn't do that here. They knew that the names would be. Uh, right away tied to something uh, as radical Muslim. And sure enough, right, boom, there it is. The name is Saeed and Farouk. Yeah, Saeed yeah. and Farouk. Okay, so th- there you go. And, and also the wife's name was uh, Malik what, and. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, these are difficult names for me to remember, but they were clearly not 
Um, John and uh, Smith. Yeah, that's right. These were Middle Eastern names. Okay. It wasn't Bonnie and Clyde or Jane, <laughs> right. Dick, and Jane. Right. Billy the Kid. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. <laughs> Doc, and Doc Johnson or whatever. Uh, it, it, those, these were not the names. Okay, so we have this as an issue. Now it was so. Now we know that, uh, in fact, that they were Muslim, uh, and that they had Muslim names. But that does not a Muslim terrorist alone attack make, right? That's fair enough, right? You can't say that somebody like uh, Terry, uh, what's what's the guy who did the Oklahoma City? Terry Nichols and Jim McVeigh. Tim, yeah, Tim McVeigh. Tim McVeigh. You can't say, you know, it would not be fair that just before, just because he was baptized, for example, as a Christian, that therefore his shenanigans were made on behalf of Christianity. It's, that's that's a fair response, right? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. We'll get to that in a moment, though. Um, but uh, so so let's not do that here. However, we now know that he's a devout Muslim. Okay, uh, we know that he was radicalized in Saudi Arabia. So, you know, experience tells me that there is a strong possibility that this was, in fact, a Muslim attack. Now, they haven't found the, uh, the blueprints for the attack to say, we plan to do this to, uh, to, to, to vindicate uh, the attacks on ISIS by those crazy Americans and the French, and we're doing this in retribution. Okay, well, that would be the most obvious way of, of establishing that it's a Muslim uh, terrorist attack. Yeah, but the subscription to Inspire magazine was a strong hint. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay, you're joking around, but... No! What, no, Inspire magazine? Do you know what Inspire magazine is? Oh, I... That's I, the online Al-Qaeda magazine I that teaches you how to make the munitions they use. Okay, no, I, 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 did, I was thinking of a hard copy in, in, in magazine called Inspire magazine, but... A, Okay, yes, it's I do It's an actual know. thing. Okay, yeah. now I understand. Okay, I, I actually didn't know that, but but it's interesting. An online thing, and he's got a subscription. Okay, yeah, again. Visiting the site. You right, know, it's right. one of those sites that you visit, you immediately go on the no-fly list. It's right. A, you know, amateurs don't go there, you know. But, but as they say, as we say sometimes in law, it's very compelling information, but not necessarily dispositive information, because notwithstanding his subscription to, as you say, Inspire Magazine, uh, and, and, and his devo- devotion to Islam and such like that, he may have just been very devoted to Islam. And he, he too, like some other people, um, went a little postal and had some workplace violence ready to explode. Okay, so that's possible. Not probable, but it's possible. Yeah, but then there's the next piece of information. Yes, go ahead. The Inspire magazine that he was reading talked about making improvised explosive devices and l- hooking them up to remote-controlled cars and they found in their apartment a bomb-making factory for these devices. Yes, yes. Uh, that, that much I was going to expl- explore as well. There's a huge amount of that stuff. It, clearly, they planned this all out. This was not. Uh, th- this is not workplace violence. It wasn't a sudden. It, it wasn't the video. Put it that way. Okay. <laughs> this is a well-orchestrated. Well, yeah. It was not the protest. It was a well-orchestrated plan. Thank you very much. Okay. You know, this, this is. I just. It just dawns on me. This is like the first. Uh, first uh, knee-jerk reaction by this administration uh, that this is somehow, and they're so hoping that it's just somebody just kind of going postal, as I said before, and they really, really just got uh, just too hot and bothered about the situation. And <laughs> someone suggested on CNN that the, possibly he'd, he'd went nuts. So why? Because they called it a Christmas party instead of a holiday party, and that was just darn insensitive. <laughs> well, we, they had it coming. <laughs> Don't you call it a Christmas party? Mental note um, uh, to my assistant: uh, Would you that 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 uh, Christmas party we were going to have for dinner? <laughs> just. Holiday party. Just, Holiday. <laughs> that's right. And, and, uh, don't, now uh, ruse. Yeah. And don't forget to send that memo to uh, Ahmed also, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. Cancel Santa's appearance. But, I mean, that's... <laughs> we'll do an interfaith thing. Right. We'll get an imam to... I've heard, about be, I've heard about being sensitive, but this is ridiculous. Okay. Anyway, uh, look, I, I, we were, were kind of joking around this, but let's, let's talk about the enormity of this crime, this, this, this terrorism. It's not really... It, it's designed to do... Horrific things. 14 innocent people, totally innocent people, dead. Uh, 21 at least uh, uh, maimed to one degree or the other. My heart goes out to them. And uh, this administration, however, is so hell-bent on making clear that this should not be yet defined as an act of terrorism 
Um, and they, they want to, that they're so hoping against hope that, that it won't be considered an act of terrorism. They want to determine it's an act of terrorism, if it is, after the news cycle goes to something else. And that's the first point. They'll allow it to, to happen that way. Yeah. But, but, but think about this. They are so quick to say that anything else that happens that's clearly not Muslim terrorism, that that is terrorism. Example, uh, what happened in the Planned Parenthood attack a couple of weeks ago? Where some, you know, deranged nut goes in and, and I think he, he killed three people, right? And um, not at the clinic and not patients, just right. people yeah. near it. Right. And they say that's terrorism. Oh, yeah. okay, I guess so. Uh, and and then when Israel does something, do you remember that that um, there was a a couple of Israelis that went ahead and and they uh, it was alleged that they hurt this Arab family. I don't know if it's true, but let's assume for the sake of discussion that it is true. Um, and, and the spokesman, he had such a, a you-know-what for, uh, for Israel. Uh, let's say he was chopping at the bit, to use a more polite phrase. He was chopping at the bit to be able to say that the Israelis are engaging in terrorism. And, and no reporter asked him, you know, do, do you consider what the Israelis had done, this Israeli, uh, fa uh, these couple of Israelis who, who allegedly attacked an Arab family, that that was an, uh, a, a terrorist attack? And I forget the name of the spokesman now, whatever his name is. He said, and uh, let me anticipate your question about whether or not we think that the, uh, the attack by Israelis upon this, is, uh, this Arab family is an act of terrorism. And the answer is, yes, we do. We certainly do. Like, oh, my gosh. You know, I, I wish you only had the guts, Mr. President, to, to call it like, like it is when it's Muslims attacking, which, of course, is 99.9% .9 of the time. Isn't it telling that a president who knows so much about everything, all moments of the day, every situation, from Trayvon to Michael Brown to Henry yeah. Louis Gates to uh, Obamacare to bankers to oh, yeah. Wall Street. Sy Syrian refugees. No, he knows, uh, <laughs> Syrian refugees, right. ISIS, right. Libya, Benghazi, right. everything. The guy knows everything. Don't but you this, worry. He comes out with press conferences around, you know, there's a lot we don't know. <laughs> it's like you're, oh, this is something Captain Obvious can see, and this one he doesn't know. Yeah, no, he's he, he he's so bent over backwards to make make it clear that there is no uh, chance that uh, there's no likelihood that this is a Muslim attack, and if it is, well, you know, then then he'll he'll be so quick to say that Christians do the same thing. Christians do the same thing, uh, and and on behalf of Christianity. Okay, well, find me one. Uh, thank you very much. Not, not somebody who happened to be baptized a Christian when, when he was, uh, you know, how many, however many weeks old. And not the transgender communist who shot up an area near a Planned Parenthood clinic a week or two ago. That, that guy's not a Christian. Yeah, he's not a Christian. He's an atheist. Well, but, and not only that, but, but it's like he was caught and then he, 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 I think he looked up and he saw Planned Parenthood and he said, uh, baby no more baby parts. parts. Baby parts. And suddenly that was, the, that was the, the whole reason why he had done this thing. I mean, they, they don't have that evidence. They don't have that connection, but, but they want it, right? I mean, that is far less of a connection than the obvious connection that we see that, that it's almost 100% that these, these jackasses were, were doing uh, this terrorist attack in San Bernardino, specifically uh, as as a terrorist attack that they wanted to to terrify people, and and so they did, of course. Now, um, the reaction uh, is is uh, was of course inevitable that it was all about gun control. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So it might, the NRA might have, it might as well have done it in Obama's yeah, eyes. That's right. So I have uh, some interesting queries for you because I think you you'll answer them. Uh, quite sufficiently. That's why I'm here. That's right. Okay. We do not know the answers yet. Um, okay. <laughs> and that's why we ask you, Ari right. David. Ari? <laughs> anyway, so so uh, in, in Facebook, there was uh, a lot of people talking about how it's, it's, it's just damn high time that we call the NRA out for their, their, their crimes by association. Their Muslim terrorism. Apparently. <laughs> So, so, but they cite other things too, and, and they say that. So and I said, and so I wrote back, and I, I said, I said, you, you are a hundred percent right. That we really need to have such tougher gun control laws, gun control laws as tough as they have, say, in uh, Paris. Let's do, let's do that. <laughs> and then, of course, obviously, with the, um, with the, the the intention of kind of seeing, eliciting a response out of that, and, and it did elicit a response. Don't you know? And the response is, oh, come on, there's no comparison. Uh, the, 
the number of uh, attacks like this are nothing compared to what, what's happening in, in America. All right, first of all, the New York Times is the one that's claiming this. They don't have any backup for it. I, I can tell you, having been to France a couple times very recently, that, uh, in fact, it's, it's quite a violent place now. There are no-go zones. We don't have no-go zones in America, not even Compton. Okay, there are some places you maybe want to be more careful, right? But you may find yourself in, in a certain areas of, of, of town, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't say, okay, well, serves you right for dying. Yeah, you just <laughs> okay. don't leave your wallet in the car with the car keys and yeah. unlocked and walk away. You yeah. just don't do that. Yeah, and, and you, you may not want to go at certain times of day. I, I get yeah. that. But it's not a no-go zone. Yeah, if you want to go to Blidzo's Ribs on Long Beach Boulevard in Avalon or whatever in Compton for some damn good beef ribs, and you're white. You'll get your ribs, and you'll leave with your life. Yeah, it's, you it's will. Right. Well, but but more significantly, um, the cops are there. It, 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 the Lots cops, of them. Yeah, and the cops don't say we ain't going there. Right. Okay, that, that's the difference. That, the the no go refers to not you, ordinary citizen, not going. It's the, the cops saying I ain't going there. That's a great point. <laughs> right. So so we have we don't have no go zones in that way. In that way, do you know that they have you know cars that are still burning all the time in, in France? I mean, what, what do they have against cars? First of all, I, I have no. What's up with that? Their but, carbon footprint must be enormous. I guess so. Maybe they're complaining about the climate change that's affecting them all, right? <laughs> that's the very reason why they engage in the, the terrorism. I, I, I know it because, because Tom Friedman told me so. And now Obama's telling me so. All right, you get the idea. So they, they have these cars. They, they have a tremendous amount of rapes, tremendous amount of enslavement going on. And somehow they, they think that it's great over there because they don't have as many murders there. I, I, not so fast. Okay. Secondly, um, you know, to, they point to Japan and Australia in particular. Okay, these are two countries that, especially Japan, are so homogeneous. And, uh, and, and Japan is really a bad example because not only is it very homogeneous, they don't have any Muslims at all. Okay, so, and, and they, they say the murder rate is so low. And, of course, they never point to the fact that the age, the average age of the average Japanese is so old. The older your, your generation is, although that's not good for your economy, it's actually very good for crime, okay, for a reduction of crime, right? If everyone's 88 years old, for example, you ain't going to see too much crime. If everyone's 16, eh, you're going to see a little bit more crime, okay, a lot more crime. So... To simply say, oh, they don't have gun control, and, and that's, that's the one factor involved, right? I mean, it's, it's stupid. Uh, regarding Australia, we talked about Australia at length, and you were very good about describing uh, you know, how, in fact, it actually is increasing dramatically uh, once they, start, they initiated um, gun controls. But both the countries that they cited, Australia and Japan, have one thing in common. They're both island nations, okay? And yeah, while still people can get into those countries, very hard. Okay, you, it's a lot more manageable. America is is wildly different in two very important respects. One is we have a porous border. Okay, and as a porous border, it's very easy to get in. Okay, so secondly, we are not a homogeneous country. We have a wildly diverse culture, which is good in some ways, uh, but it's multi the multicultural part of it not so good. Okay, the the the, the the cultural part where everyone doesn't know what other, each other's culture is. We're not bound by anything together other than the land that we're living on. There's no American culture that everyone is, is uh, embracing in common, as they should be. And that's a problem. When everyone's just simply sticking to their own culture, sticking to their own language, and, and, and sticking only to their own friends, and they say, well, that's your territory. We'll call it, uh, say, Koreatown. And this is our, our territory. We'll call it, say, little Saudi Arabia. And this is our area. We'll call it little Turkey and so on. That's not a very healthy recipe for a, for a great nation. Don't, don't tell me that's diversity. It's, it's the opposite of diversity. It's balkanizing. That's what it, balkanization, I, I suppose, is the right noun. So it, there's so many differences involved putting aside the fact that we have a much larger population than France. They don't even talk about it in, in percentages. So uh, I think they've got a, a very poor argument. And uh, in France, as bad as they might have with uh, uh, no-go zones in large cities, they don't have entire cities that are no-go zones like Detroit 
yeah. or parts of Chicago that oh, good point. Are, are different from the no-go zone in classic terms because there are police, but it's a city where it's run by such leftist, corrupt Democrats where the police are in cahoots with those Democrats, and they've been running these cities for the better part forever into the ground year after year after year that the whole social fabric is collapsing in these places. Right. It is. Um, and, and, and you just can't... I mean, the, the, the Democrats think so simplistically um, because they, they, they think, okay, well, the only thing that's differentiating between us and France, let's say, uh, is the gun control thing. Okay, and, and when you see some, some violence, well, it's a gun control issue. But why, why can't it be the weather, right? I mean, you know, our temperature in uh, the southern part of, of uh, America, if you, add it, you know, average it all out, maybe it's warmer than, uh, than France. I don't know. Maybe that's the reason why. Why does that have to be gun control? Ah, you say, don't be so silly, Mr. Lurie, because guns are the very things that, that perpetrate the, fra- the, the crime. Well, apparently not so fast, because according to Obama and Tom Friedman and others like him, they say the weather does affect <laughs> whether or not you, you, uh, you commit these crimes. I, I'm joking around a little bit, but not so much. And the reason why is that, that they fail to show a causation and, and an effect to that causation. It's, it's nice to be able to just look at these numbers and say, look, you know, fewer murders in this country, more murders in this country, and then make a, a conclusion that it's because of the gun control laws in effect. But that's, that's, it's, it's childish. It's truly childish. There are very different, many different factors going on. And if they really want to, ch- to test out yeah. this mush-headed idea of gun control, yeah. then I would propose, well, let's go all the way with it. Well, you, you remember Jimmy Carter putting on a sweater in the White House and turning up the thermostat, and then Danny Aykroyd on Saturday Night Live making fun of him by saying, let's burn a buck. It starts with me. If Barack Obama thinks gun control is such a good idea, let's start with him. Disarm the Secret Service and see what would happen. Yeah. It's a preposterous idea. I don't want him to do it. Right. But if the idea of disarming the, the law-abiding and the vulnerable was such a brilliant idea... Why isn't every gun control advocate in high and mighty and elite places in America disarm their security? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the irony is, I mean, let, let's put two stories together, right? Um, the one story is the gun control, like we've just been talking about. Guns are bad. We should only uh, give it to highly trained police officers and, and, and military officials. Um, and, uh, and on the other hand, Police are bad, right? right. Police are, are running amok, killing uh, black people all over, and, and people who apparently are not black, and, but we still consider them black. And, uh, and, and the, the perpetrators uh, themselves are maybe not so black, uh, not so white after all. But nevertheless, it's white on black crime, and, uh, you know, and it's, it's running all over the place, and uh, black lives matter, and the police don't care about us, and police are evil. And they should all be sent to jail because, well, you know, they're protecting us. But only they should have guns, of course. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, put those two stories together and it doesn't jibe, right? It doesn't make any sense. And so we have this kind of conundrum where nobody actually thinks these things through anymore. Uh, it, it's just that they're so, what's the word, snapshot thinking, right? We, we talked about this before. They're, they're unable to think one static move. Static thinking. Yeah, static thinking. Yeah. That's right. Static thinking. Uh, where they only think exactly for the moment of the, the snapshot that they've taken, and they evaluate it, and they say, this is horrible, or this is bad stuff, and they never think about the consequences of it. I mean, even gun control alone. Let me make this very clear to our listeners. Uh, I, I, you may find it shocking that I say this. I would totally be for gun control, totally, if I felt it would work. If I felt that it would actually have a significant impact on the reduction of crime, I'd be for it, okay? I would say, you know, to hell with the, the Second Amendment, okay? Or I'd find a way to fashion it such like, I would say, well, we still have the right to bear arms, but we still need to, whatever. I'd, I'd have all sorts of controls over yeah, it. Yeah, you're not so married to constitutional amendments just because there are amendments. The 18th Amendment, the Prohibition Amendment, was a terrible law. Right. They got rid of it because yeah. it didn't work. We, and we've established on past podcasts, our main concern as conservatives is what works. Right. Not that's all that, what that's it all that matters. Is. Yeah. yeah. So let's just focus on the what works part of it. Okay, because the reason why I'm not for all this gun control, and gun control is a, it's a, uh, you know, a very loose phrase, a very vague phrase, so it, doesn't, it means something very different to many different people, right? Uh, you know, when I say gun control, uh, I may think of one thing, and they, you know, a classic liberal will think another thing. And I think, aim correctly, squeeze the trigger, 
Control. And control. <laughs> That's very funny. Hit the target. Right. Uh, for me, the only uh, restriction on guns should be uh, that the person not be mentally unstable, uh, that he needs to prove maybe every year that he is uh, remains mentally stable. And, that, and uh, how do we do this in the age of Obama with this constant <laughs> exactly. stimulus coming at us? <laughs> right. But, but, but let's, let's continue on because I don't want to lose this train of thought here. Um, you know, so that's the kind of control I believe in. But that's it. That's the, otherwise, if people want to have some guns, and, and then more power to them. In fact, I want them to have literally more power to them. And uh, this San Bernardino sh- um, situation, this horrible act, it took... It was better than some, and but definitely worse than others. Um, it took four and a half minutes for the police to arrive to this terrible situation. Now that you might say is relatively fast. That's the San Bernardino Sheriff's Department, not LAPD. Right, LAPD Smaller takes a area. lot longer. Right. <laughs> On it, cops. Yeah, it takes a long, long time. And guess what? It turns out the burglars don't wait that long, the murderers don't wait that long, and the rapists don't wait that long. Like you know, they don't say fair is fair. You don't get to t- turn to your 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 murderer or your burglar and say, "Listen, all, in all fairness, you know, we all li- we both live in Los Angeles, so give me a fair chance and wait for the cops to come." And uh, it's and on average, it's 28 minutes. So here's the deal, okay? If they come within 28 minutes, you have to stay, and if it's and if it's after 20 minutes, 28 minutes, well then then you can go. Okay. And if you want, I'll fix you some drinks. That's right. Um, wine thing we'll, to eat. We'll, Amazing. We'll pause this. It's like a chess game, yeah. right? <laughs> like you, you know, you know, there's something cool on the TV, and you just pause the chess game. That's right. all. It is. Okay. <laughs> and then go back to battle. <laughs> but no, it, it, it doesn't work that way, obviously. But four minutes. I mean, I, there's a scene in uh, the Stuntman. One of my. It's not such a great movie, but there's a there's a great scene there where the where the the the, the, the cameraman. Uh, decides to cut the scene, uh, you know, three seconds earlier, and he says, uh, "All right, cut." And then the Peter O'Toole character, who's the main director, says, "Who said cut?" <laughs> With his fine British accent, and the and the uh, the cameraman says, "I did." And he goes, "Why did you say cut?" And he says, "Well, we only had you know, 20 seconds left, and the scene was basically over. I thought it was okay." And he goes. In 20 seconds, I can lop off your head. In 20 seconds, I can do this. And he goes through this litany of things that he can do all within 20 seconds. I can, I can have you fired. I can do this. I can shove a, a turkey sandwich down your throat. I mean, all the amazing things that can be done in 20 seconds. Imagine what can be done in four and a half minutes. That's my point. And you can wreak so much havoc in, in that small amount of time. You can kill with an AK-47... You can apparently kill 14 people. Okay. Now, this is why we need guns. Okay. Putting aside all the, the stuff that the, the, the liberals want, which is, you know, because they, they think it's all about, you know, Christian uh, um, crazies who want to blow up P- Planned Parenthood. Yeah, it ain't about those that. Those people who want the Constitution to be enforced are just nuts. Those nuts, right. Mm-hmm. What, they, what the key thing, to my mind, is, and the, and the benefit, is that it, this will substantially reduce crime. How so, you ask? That doesn't make any sense, Mr. Lurie. I'll tell you how. In this very example, if, if just one person had a gun and was able to whip it out and just point to one of the mother effers, uh, the, one of the two that were shooting randomly like that, and, if they, and, and better yet, if they actually knew that there was a possibility that one of the people in this, this clinic had guns, even one gun, they might think twice about going there in the first place. But instead, they, they knew they had sitting ducks there who, who would not have any guns whatsoever. And guess what? None of them had guns. And so in those four and a half minutes, they were able to create hell on earth for those, for those people just kind of sitting around, waiting for their deaths to, to occur. Can I give the liberal response? Yeah, please. This is this is liberal logic. This is the response the liberal will say. Well, d- tell tell us the actual liberal, what what the liberal response will, will be to that, and and he'll say, go. Well, that's great thinking. Yes, arm them. Then that tragedy would not have occurred there. Do you like my attitude? And yes, yeah, yeah, you, you, got, you got a lot of time. But instead, the perpetrators would have gone to a different soft target. They would have found some soft target. In this case, they would have gone to a school and killed children. 
I see. Of course, the response logically is, well, why aren't people armed at schools? That's right. Well, that's, why aren't yeah. people armed everywhere? Yeah, well, it's like the classic example of, uh, well, the you know maybe somebody else made God, you know, <laughs> like well, it keeps on, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, or, or that uh, somebody you know somebody made humans, right? They created humans. Well, okay, well, then who created them? But, but, but again, it, they just keep on kicking the can down the road. Exactly. Um, I, I think that this gets lost on on the issue of uh, of how crime can actually be solved and actually reduced dramatically. You don't have this kind of stuff in Israel, okay? You just don't. And everyone has guns in Israel, okay? So you want to the better example rather than Switzerland. Ja- yeah, the better example rather than Japan and Australia, it's Switzerland and Israel. Where you don't have this kind of crap, it just doesn't doesn't happen. Murder, as a practical matter in Israel, just doesn't exist. Okay, now you talk about terrorism in Gaza and such in the West Bank. That the only mayhem that occurs is is when the Palestinian terrorists come come over the wall somehow and and do these crazy stabbings. Yeah, but those are technically acts of war, not acts of crime. Yeah, but that's, but but that's that, but again, terrorism. I'm talking about within Israel proper. Yeah, the actual doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. The culture of the society is such it, it's it's such an amazing culture. Murder has been eradicated. Yeah, it really is. It's a and, miracle. And not only that, but it's also I mean, armed robbery can't work. I mean, they're not. It's not even a question of you know trying you know here I'm, I'm planning to kill a bunch of people. No, let's say you're armed robber, right? You're you're an armed robber. You're not even going to think about doing that because yeah. somebody what oh, what about a rape. Same sort of situation. You know, if God forbid something, something like that happens, well, somebody's got a gun and say, get the hell off of her, you mother effer, right? That's, that's the way it works. What liberals don't understand is how risk-averse criminals are. Yeah. They see an American flag outside a house, they go to the one that doesn't have it. Yeah. They see the, I'm a proud member of the NRA, and my dog is packing heat, they go to the house with the cat. Right. Okay? That's how they are. Right. Okay? So it's idiotic to assume that if you uh, increase the number of armed people throughout society, crime isn't going to fall like a stone. Right. Yeah, it's just, that's the way it works. And why people can't wrap their minds around that, it's, it's clearly that the reason why is that they have an agenda. And just like the global warming thing, uh, which is interesting because it's all tied in now, just like the global warming thing is um, so important to them, um, and there's no logic to it. Um, and, and what it's really designed to do is to hand over as much control to the government as possible. The same thing is true with gun control. They want to hand over and cede as much control to the government because we can't have people think uh, independently. That's what's really going on. Because until the day that you can show me, and, and, and again, like I said, if I believed that gun control truly worked and you showed me a true causation, not just an intellectual uh, hypothesizing about it, um, then, then, then we're good to go. I, I, until that day, I ain't buying your gun control crap because all it means, it means that we have less power as, as, as the population goes and we cede much more control to the government. And we've given up our right to defend ourselves. Yeah. And instead given that uh, right to someone else who may or may not be there within 28 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the government is supposed to be of the people and by the people and for the people. And if, God forbid, uh, this government became a dictatorial regime, like a Caesar took over, uh, we'd like to be able to think that we can take over. But, you know, we don't want to be in the position to say, oh, gosh, I, I guess now, we under, now I understand why we, we shouldn't have ceded control of all of our guns. I mean, it reminds me of the Simpson episode, as, as all things do, right, the Simpsons, but, but where Lisa wishes for world of peace. And and uh, everyone abandons all their guns. They throw throw it off, and and then of course there's world peace, and you see them all singing, you know, the peaceful songs and John Lennon and all those things. And then you see Cronus and Kang, you know, the aliens saying, "Ah ha ha, foolish Earthlings, for, you know, ripe for the plucking," because now they don't have any weapons, and they're being sold into slavery, and and this is the consequential problem of, and, and that's the whole epi- point of that episode, which I love so much, the monkey's paw episode. Anyway. That, that, and, and, and then you see Lenny talking to Carl saying, gosh, this slavery thing really sucks. Wish we kept an A-bomb or two. <laughs> right? And, and that's exactly right. You know, you, we just, just one A-bomb is all they needed. And they couldn't do it. And the same thing is, is true here. What, what will happen that, that glorious day? I mean, this, the, the idea of gun control assumes that government will always be good 
will always be democratic, will always do the right thing, will never abuse its power. And but, we'll but, we, but we know and, differently. And will never be con- conquered by a malignant government. Yeah. That's right. What, what happens know, then, my friends? Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've changed the culture so much that, you see, it's not even a question of gun control. Here's, I guess, my ultimate point is this, and then we should pause for a break. My ultimate point is not only should we not be defending, uh, sorry, we, not only should we be defending the right to bear arms, we should actually be encouraging people to, to buy arms. It's, it's a healthy thing. It's a good thing. It's an empowering thing. Talk about checks and balances. Okay? That's what it is. We, they seem to understand it from the government perspective. They don't seem to understand it from a good guy, bad guy perspective. And that's exactly what the language of the Second Amendment means. The well-regulated militia, the regulator on that militia, are armed people regulating the, the military that's in the control of the politicians. That's right. Well, there's a danger of the passive voice, isn't it? <laughs> so, listen, I, we, dare, we dare not take this lightly. Um, stand up. Not only defend the right to bear arms, but encourage the right to bear arms. Tell your children, tell your, tell your relatives, tell your friends. Uh, say, it, not only is it the good thing to do, but I want you, my liberal friend, I want you to get a gun. I want you to understand the wisdom of getting a gun. Until that day, you, you will not en- enjoy what, what freedom really means. This is Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a client who had opened up a food operation in a shopping center, but the landlord had misrepresented the amount of foot traffic that your client would get. Yeah, Dennis, and very quickly my client felt the impact, losing a tremendous amount of money each month. He had invested $250,000 in improvements into the business. All right, how did you resolve that one? It turns out that the shopping center was about to be sold, so we waited for just the right moment before the sale because we knew the landlord would not want to have to disclose this major lawsuit. Suddenly, he's settled for a lot of money. Sometimes you have to know how to time your luck. Well, that's another real success. Folks, I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM 870, The Answer. Hi, this is Brock Lurie. Okay, we are back from our break. Thanks so much for tuning back in. Uh, we, we have, you know, in, in the context, we talked before in the previous part of it, we, uh, of this podcast, we talked about uh, what happened, the tragic, uh, well, it's not tragedy, it's terrorism that occurred in uh, San Bernardino. And surprise, surprise, you will find out that this is indeed a terrorist attack. And uh, people will, uh, will one day realize what, what was the obvious, right? To you and I, it was obvious. But, you know, to them, to, to the liberal mindset, this isn't obvious, but everything else that you and I have questions about and that we, we are concerned about is, is not obvious. For example, the Trayvon Martin thing, for example, the Ferguson, uh, uh, Michael Brown thing, and Eric Garner and all the other the, the supposed uh, racist cops and such. Same thing with Baltimore. You'll find the same thing. And uh, But they're absolutely sure about that. And then you have to prove why it's not the case. So the burden proof suddenly flips on you, right? But when it's something that's so obvious, like a terrorist attack, well, then by golly, it's, it's very meaningful. There was a um, one of my um, one of my partners actually talked about um, how there is so much more domestic terrorism here, meaning non-Muslim terrorism, than there is Muslim terrorism, and we shouldn't be focusing on, on Muslim terrorism. And we should understand that that you know while it's the terrorism du jour, we have far greater things to worry about than that. And I said, you know, first of all, there are huge differences between the two, right? One uh, the, the as bad as it is, you know, like the Colorado shooting guy in Aurora and the, the Planned Parenthood attack recently, these are nuts that, that come one at a time. Uh, they may plan or may not even plan their attacks, uh, but they don't coordinate. 
They don't work with anyone. They don't have an ideology that they're trying to um, advise. They're not even seeking to terrorize. They simply want to lash out. That's it. That's their end game. Now, you may say that may not make a difference to the victim of what his actual purpose was, but that's, that's tough luck, right? But nevertheless, there's a difference. And another difference is that you know, while there's a Muslim terrorist attack, they do plan it, they do coordinate, they are trying to advance an ideology, and they are trying to terrorize. There are huge differences here. You see this, right? And uh, so, so that, that's one thing. But then it, it dawned on me as I was thinking about something else altogether, it just kind of hit me. Like, well, wait a minute. If, God forbid, the KKK were ever to rise again in any significant way, and let's say they killed 100 people uh, a day, black people for that matter, or you know, uh, people who sympathize with civil rights and such. And, and there was only, only 100 a year. I put that in quotes, only 100 a year. Because you know, by golly, there are a lot more than, than 100 murders throughout the rest of the United States for other things, right? It's probably that many in Chicago in one year. Yeah, alone. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, so, so clearly, you know, and let's say these random murders are just random murders, you know, where, you know, unfortunately somebody, uh, you know, caught a burglar while he was burglarizing at home and blam, blam, suddenly he's dead. That's a murder, right? But it's not a murder with any purpose other than to just, you know, uh, you know advance a crime, okay? But the KKK thing, well, that's a horrible thing, right? Yeah, but it's trying to advance an ideology. Right. But no doubt the liberal mindset would say, we've got to stop these mother effing KKK members. And this is a, you know, something that we're going to put all our resources into. And if you and I were to say, well, wait a minute, we've got problems, you know, the rest of the United States, we shouldn't be focusing on, this, on these KKK people. They would say to you, and I think rightfully so, we've got to stop this. This is a serious uh, situation, and it's a growing situation, and uh, we, we, we have to stand for the values that we stand for, and uh, while you know these other murders are, are very unfortunate and such, uh, these KKK mother efforts are you know need to be beaten back and destroyed, and they'd be right. And we wouldn't be taking it seriously, rightly so, if we didn't. Yeah, yeah. But but when it comes to because it's a Muslim thing, you understand, and even though it's it's, it's grabbing a, a toehold in America in a very serious way. Well, then, you know, they, they play that game. They play the very game that I just said. But because it's, it's the issue that is so important to the, to the liberals, and that issue is somehow preserving Islam at all costs, and, and that uh, there's an agenda, it's a political agenda going on. It's just not the right political agenda. That's it. That's as simple as that. And if it were the KKK, as if somehow we I, I love it when people say, presumably, you know, you, you wouldn't like it if they, if they went after the KKK. Like, do you think I'm for the KKK? I mean, I have to, I have to play that game with them every once in a while. Um, but nevertheless, the KKK, if, if this were the, the situation with them, they would be so all up in arms, and rightly so. But they, but they don't see past themselves. They don't see past their own issues. The, the, the inability to make a connection, a cause and effect connection that we've, we've talked about so often. Anyway. Well, I think there's another level at this. Yeah, which please. Is, which is profound and horrible, which is the reason they don't take the Islamic violence threat seriously is because it's anti-Christian in its agenda. And they, the, our liberals here in Brentwood, who are among us, hate Christianity as much, if not more, than the Muslim terrorists. When Christians are killed by terrorists, it's not like the, the liberal passes out candy and celebrates, but a part of them isn't as offended as you and I are yeah. by, the, yeah. by the atrocity. Yeah. And I know that's a horrible-sounding thing to say, but liberals out there hear this, you know it. You yeah. know it. I, I know how you talk about Christians. I hear the disdain in your voice. I hear the hatred you have for us conservatives who, who believe in God and are God-fearing and love God in America. Yeah, I want to make it very clear to our listeners that uh, you're, t- you're speaking about, uh, you're, you're talking to a liberal about their disdain for Christians. You and I have a, a tremendous love and affinity for Christians. Adoration. Adoration. We, we are thankful for what Christians have uh, provided to the world, among which are the advancement of freedom and liberty and the university, for that matter. I mean, there's just too many great things that, that, 
that Christians have given to the world. And, and to not re- recognize it is, is truly a tragedy. And it's just, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's um, I always give the example of, of deciding, you know, well, you know, your parents have given you everything. They've given you your life uh, for sure. They've given you your education. They've given you the, the, your moral code and such. And then you decide, you know what, I don't need my parents anymore. And you just kill them. Right? I mean, it's what, why? It, it's, it's the same thing. This is what's happening. Um, we are, the liberal mindset seeks to destroy the very thing that created their ability to enjoy the freedoms that they enjoy and, and to even say the crazy things that they say. They don't get it, that, this, that, that conservative values are everything. They, they, they don't understand what conservatism means. They, 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 they believe that conservatism means that we cling to our guns and religion, as, to, to quote a, a recent famous personality. As if the terrorists in San Bernardino yesterday didn't. Yeah. Okay. But, but you see what I'm saying? It's, it's they, they, as if we cling to, we want, we want the old ways. We want slavery, you know, that, that's in their mindset. We want the days of Jim Crow and so, and so forth. Um, we like, uh, I don't know, beating children or something like that. I, I don't, it's like they don't get the time-honored principles of parent and child, teacher and student, old and young, uh, male and female, uh, the, the, the distinctions that, that make the society worth living that, that have actually grown our family, family and non-family. Husband and wife. Husband remember and wife. that one? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that phrase. Husband and wife. I remember that. That, that was when there was uh, one man and one woman, right? Yeah, something like a, that. Those are like quaint, yeah. quaint old days. Right. Uh, it's so uh, so uh, traditional of you. Yeah. And look at the slander they, they heap on us. You want Jim Crow. You want slavery. You want Nazism. Uh, the other day, uh, Nazism, yeah. I have a liberal friend who um, was saying to me, you know, he, 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 Republicans are like Nazis. I'm like, where do you, do you do think you it's appropriate to bring that up yeah. in that way? Just, well, because when we compare, say, uh, a certain organization that performs a certain procedure that we don't like, and we say, you know, the Nazis did things like that, how dare you bring up the Nazis, the liberals say. Right, yeah. But they bring up at the drop of the hat yeah, yeah. about things that are completely inappropriate to connect it to. It's, it, it's so true. Uh, they'll tell you what the, the, playing, uh, the ground rules are for discussing. Um, and if you don't agree with them, well, then they, they'll dismiss you. And global warming is a good example of that. All right. Uh, there's, a, there's a topic I want to discuss in conjunction with all this. Okay. And that is um, about, about values at the end of the day. Uh, look, I just saw a, a, a really sweet movie. Um, it was somewhat predictable, but it was a lot of fun at the same time. I took my daughter and one of my, one of my other uh, kids, my, my little son, with me. It's called The Good Dinosaur. It's a Pixar movie. And, and I enjoyed it. It was fun, a little bit predictable. Don't quite know why dinosaurs were involved other than the kids like dinosaurs. But it wasn't about, you know, what, what if the, uh, the comet had not hit the earth and dinosaurs were living among us and such like thing. That's what I thought it was, but it's okay. It doesn't matter. But it was about conquering fear. It was about understanding what it, what it takes to become a, a, you know, to earn your mark. Literally, that's what it was about. And this young little dinosaur was, was waiting to see at, at what point will, would he be able to earn his mark. And, and he puts a paw print upon a certain building that they've made. It's very sweet. And he goes through a lot of trials and tribulations, and he learns a lot of things along the way. And I, I just thought to myself, you know, every single successful child, ch- children's movie has proposed a conservative value. Okay? I, I've yet to see, whether that's Nemo, whether that's uh, um, Frozen, whether that's um, Cars um, or Up or any of those movies, I've yet to see a kid's movie that, that talks about how good it is to be able to use uh, the other gender's bathroom. <laughs> okay? <laughs> the right, that sort of thing. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and you know, obviously, I'm kind of jesting here, but but let's get more serious. Then they don't even talk about. There's no movie out there about how glorious it is to recycle. Right? Well, there, there actually is only one that I can think of. I'm not talking about like Wall E because Wall E. 
did the glory of recycling if yeah. you remember Wally. Yeah, I did see that. I, but that's I, modern tripe. I'm talking the classic. But that was more in the background. It's, right. it was, it's not what the movie was about. Right, but there's only one that I think of the classic ones that has a liberal agenda, and um, that's Bambi, which I think makes the case that venison isn't delicious. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no, but even Bambi has conservative values, right? I mean, all these Snow White. I mean, oh, yeah, you're right, because mother and child, father yeah. and child. Yeah, yes, family. of course. Yeah. No, but, but and, and look, The Lion King is my favorite example. I mean, here's everything, every message in Lion King is a pure conservative value, right? And my favorite one being... Uh, that you have to, you, you can't just run away from your problems. You have to accept responsibility for who you are and accept it and come back and fight fight your demons of your past, right? Um, now, liberals will say, well, we have to do that too. Really? Tell me. You know, you, you don't believe in fighting at all. Don't tell me you're fighting any demons, let alone that you believe in demons. Um, but another thing that I liked always was how Scar, Uncle Scar, right, the bad lion, the brother, he, he was talking about, once he assumes the throne, that he envisions a new day where a lion and hyena live together side by side. And you were to understand very quickly what a bad idea that is, right? Do not live together. Bad things will happen. But I think to myself, hey, yeah, that's right. That's a separation of good and evil. Right? The lions were the good guys. Hyenas were the bad guys. That sounds a lot like the Iran deal. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I, but it's exactly but that. yeah, yeah, that's the exact point. Yeah, don't mix good and evil, because and you wind up with evil. That's right. There's, there's only, you know, I was, it always inter- interested me in math. Um, what do you get when you um, multiply two positive numbers? A positive number. Right. What do you get when you multiply two negative numbers? A really big negative number. No, that's not true. It, positive. That's true. Okay. A negative two times negative oh, two. Oh, no, is... no, when you multiply a negative and a positive together, you wind up with a negative. Yeah. Okay. But no. Yeah, that's right. So now I'm going to get to the last one. Okay. What happens when you multiply a positive number with a negative number? That's where you get the big negative. You get the negative. Yeah. Okay. And I always thought that seems unfair. I mean, math is math, of course. But it, in a way, it seems unfair. Like, hey, what did the positive guy do wrong? <laughs> right? Positive being good, right? He, he but, yeah. but he he associated with a negative number, and it doesn't matter that you're you're a positive number. You you're gonna wind up being a negative. But do you understand the mathematical brilliance of it and moral brilliance of it? When two negatives I do like to think that I'm brilliant with each other, they cancel each other out. That's right, and it's good for everyone. It, it's the Iran Iraq War. That's my point. You see where I'm going with this, okay? And multiple, uh, but when you mix a positive with a negative, you get a negative. End of story, okay? That's what's going to happen. And, and, I, and I know that sounds simplistic and such like that, but we, we might as well learn from math as well, because the liberals certainly don't know any math when it comes to taxes or minimum wage or social programs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people, I, people obsessed with redistributing wealth might want to learn a thing or two about math that's right. before they do it. <laughs> that's right. We went there. <laughs> um, math actually counts, Okay. Um, and, and, and the consequences of, of uh, economics, people, they just don't seem to understand. But that's, that's again, another story. The, the, this is what the Lion King kind of fosters. It, t- it teaches about all the wonderful things about strength. And there are conversations that um, Mufasa has, the, the father, before he dies, of course, with uh, little Simba. And how, you know, bravery doesn't mean just going in there and being crazy. It, it means about being reserved in your judgment, but fighting when you must fight. I love that. Everything about that movie I loved. It was a good story, and I think that's part of the reason why it continues to resonate today. Even though it wasn't made in the Pixar-style animation, it, it, it still resonates so beautifully for so many people. They love it. And, uh, you know, the same thing is true with uh, many of the, the Finding Nemo, Nemo thing, Right. The father chases after the son. He, he will find his son, and he braves things, and he learns about letting go where he needs to let go. And um, but these are, you know, but this is not a liberal value. There, there's no movie that you can you can point to that is truly successful. Let's put it that way: a kids movie that is truly successful, that is advancing an obviously liberal ideology, whether that's gay marriage whether that's um, equalizing uh, everyone's rights. You know, it, uh, you, could, you could say, well, Barack, that's because it's just not interesting. Okay, 
I'll, I'll agree with that. It's not interesting. But I'll tell you what, socialism is, is not interesting either. It just it makes everyone equally miserable. I can guarantee you life is very boring and very unpleasant in, in uh, Scandinavia. Yeah, just and, is. And if you go back a couple of years, look up uh, your episode about the Norwegian knitting on public television. Oh, yes. Nine hours of competitive <laughs> I remember. crocheting funded by the government yeah. and broadcast on public television. That's because, of course, uh, the, the private airways, for-profit airways, could never show such you know, no, no. miserably such boring dribble. shows. No. No, it, it, what's exciting is, you know, the, the, the success and failures. Uh, you know, movies, since we're talking about movies, um, you know, what's, it's kind of exciting for us, like when we learn that um, the, the movie Titanic is, you know, one of the biggest blockbusters of all time, right? And then there's other movies that come out. People think it's going to be great, but it collapses, a completely utter failure. It's not that you wish them to fail, but it's just, it's interesting. At the very least, you know, the, the success of some films and, and the, the complete destruction of others. But, but that's what makes life interesting in and of itself. And I like all these, car, these, these kids' movies that talk about that. They talk about a lot of risk and reward and, and getting out there and conquering your fears. It's a very consistent theme. Uh, Up is a good example. I can take that movie all day long. It's, it's truly my favorite Pixar movie. Uh, I like Lion King's my favorite story, but up uh, as a kids movie was fantastic. Yeah, you, there's even a TV show on the Disney Kids Network, Disney Junior. It's called the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, mm -hmm. and the Mickey Mouse characters, you know, Goofy, Donald, etc., go on these little banal adventures. Banal because they're four three year olds, so they're right. not. You know, there isn't horrible danger here, of yeah. course. But what are they teaching the kids? Resourcefulness. Yeah. What tool do you use to solve this problem? Yeah. You have to figure it out for yourself. Right. What and, a conservative value. And you, the government never swoops in and helps them with a program. Right. <laughs> Here, fill out this paperwork. Kids movies celebrate the following. They celebrate freedom. They celebrate um, conquering your fear. They celebrate um, knowing who you are. They celebrate creativity. Um, they celebrate uh, love and, and romance. None of these things, none of them, are, are advanced as liberal agenda. They, they may live that life. I mean, I'm not saying that two liberal people, you know, husband and wife, can't love each other. Of course they can. But they don't, it's, it's not the, the cornerstone of their, their values. And I find that fascinating. And why not only does Hollywood not take note of this, this that it's right underneath them all this time, but that, that the president and uh, that the liberal community at large doesn't take note of this. Doesn't this mean something to you? What resonates, my friends? It's because it, it ain't climate change. It ain't about recycling. It ain't about equality. You know, putting in the sense of uh, the French kind of equality I'm talking about, not the equality under the law uh, that we we do believe in. It's none of those things. It's not about trans. You know, understanding people that that want to you know think of themselves as a, as a woman when they're really a man, and, and vice versa. It's none of that. That's, that's, and, and Hollywood, why won't you wake up? In fact, my liberal friends, why won't you wake up on this? Why don't you understand that when you see the movie up, because I know you see that, you celebrate that too. Why? Why, did you, why do you cry when, when, um, when entangled, she, she meets a guy of her dreams? Why does that mean something to you? Did you think that maybe it, it, there's something that evokes a resonant chord that that's it's archetypal, perhaps, right? Maybe there's a reason why you have it. And and all of these things have one thing in common: freedom, a love of freedom. I mean, just the the, the very the the excellence of the of the filming itself reflects freedom and the free flow of animation and how they, you know, the innovations that keep on coming out. But it's freedom, freedom, freedom. And we were talking before the podcast, just offline, Ari, you and I, about how the very essence of, of the human being is freedom. For some reason, you know, God decided to infuse us with this crazy notion of freedom. We, we just cannot survive without it. And you had a very nice hierarchy, uh, Ari, uh, about your, how you pray at night. Why don't you go ahead and tell me how you pray and, and give it an order? Well, I've got a hierarchy. I pray for... Go, go from the lowest, go from the lowest to, the, to the top. It might be hard because I remember them from top to down, but I'll try to... All right. You know, 
the first, the lowest thing I pray for is prosperity, or not to for riches just to fall into my lap. But I think, and remember, these are not prayers for, hey, I wish this, but I thanking God for this. Right. So I thank Him. Lastly, for the ability to be prosperous. Before that, I thank Him for being safe, because you know, I, luckily, I live in a part of town that's safe, relatively speaking. The thing before that I pray for is the preservation of the health of myself and you and my friends and family and my wife and children, the people I love and care for. And uh, I, I pray for them sort of separately, but that's part of the health. And then I, before that, I pray for um, uh, happiness because health isn't worth anything without happiness. And before that, I pray for freedom and thank God for freedom because happiness doesn't happen with your, if you're not free. Right. And before that, I thank God for uh, giving us America and Israel because you know how you put God, country, family. Right. You know? So there's a reason country is more important than family. It's because you wouldn't be able to have a safe family without sure. your country protecting you and giving you a society to live in. And before that, I thank God for giving us life. And before that, I thank God for giving us God and for yeah. them being there, period. Yeah. So so the thing is, there's a hierarchy because there'd be no life without God creating it, For sure. Of course. Well, and I love that list. Um, and, and I think I more or less feel the same way. Um, freedom itself is, uh, and I wanted to focus on that because freedom itself is the very essence of what it takes, what, what it means for us to be, to be human. It is the ultimate distinction between us and the animals. I think you gave me a quote just a little while ago about saying that, uh, uh, you know, give me, you know, I want my reputation back, and 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 the the antagonist saying, what does that matter to you? And he said, because without my reputation, I'm no different than than an animal. And he's right. But what we're really talking about is freedom, at the end of the day, and freedom pervades every great child's movie, one way or the other. There's a sense of Conquer, even, even the conquering of, of evil, the, the good fighting evil, which is a great motif in all of these children's movies when you think about it, right? I mean, there's always a bad guy. But there, apparently, there, but there are no bad guys in reality, according to liberals, right? There's, it's, it's, it's always just outstretching your arm so long as you unclench your fist and, and all that crap, right? But there really is evil, and it really needs to be conquered. And you need to work within yourself, conquer yourself, and then conquer the evil that you see outside of yourself. That's the distinction, my friends. And I think we also can address what is evil. And evil is very simply, it's the inclination, both intrinsic and intangible and uh, realistic, that wants us not to be free ourselves and wants us to take freedom from others. Well, yes, yes. But, but let's, but a, let's focus on freedom. It's a force. It's anti-freedom. I, I don't want to get too far afield from where we, where we are, but, uh, you know... When, when so, what socialism offers and why I disdain socialism so much, because we, you hear the bile dripping out of our mouths when we talk about socialism and certainly communism. You mean socialism uh, the, the reason why is that it robs, it robs, uh, it tries to rob the human from the one thing that makes him distinctly human, and that is our sense of freedom. Because when you try to make everyone equal and tell everyone this is the life you will lead, these are the things that you will have to accept in order to, to let us, the government, take care of you, you are taking away the very essence of what God expects you to be. God wants you to be the most that you can be. God wants Ari David to be Ari David. That's why he made, he, you look different, uh, you are different, you have different talents, you have different loves, you have different passions. Uh, everything about you is different than, than me. And, uh, you know, we, we obviously have a lot in common together in terms of our, our love of, of life and such and our values. But I'm different. I have different interests as well, you know, not just professionally, right? And God wants me to be Baruchlery, the most Baruchlery I can be. Damn How about straight. that? Right? And, and our children the same way. And, and part of great parenting is exactly that. You bring out the best in your child. You, you try to find out who your child is, and then you bring them out. But in all that is freedom. That's the essence of it. And I think we're running far afield from, from all that when we embrace things like uh, climate change and, and uh, income equality and, and we talk about the glass ceiling and all those things that, that really are, are intended to do one thing, which is to box ourselves in. And make us all the same. All the same. We all earn the exact same money yeah. and break through the same glass ceilings right. altogether. And it's all being done in the name of security, my friends. 
and somehow preserving our very existence. And it just ain't so. It's taking it all away while proclaiming that it's doing just the opposite. My friends, this is Brock Lurie. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.